Hey yo, and here we go. Welcome to another episode of We Talk Music. I am your host, Mr. Brett Podcast, and I am truly pleased to have the lead singer of a band that I know that Mott and I have been listening to for, wow, a very long time, since 1990. We have Mark Evans from Heaven's Edge. So happy to have you on the show, Mark. Uh, thank you so much, Brett. It's great to be here. Well, and uh, and and it's even better to have you here because you have truly something new to talk about. You yes. have the, the new album, Get It Right, coming on uh, May 12th. Yes. Yeah, so, we're so excited. I mean, coming right up. So in this case, I mean, you've you've had, you know, a little little bit of a break between albums. Mm-hmm. So uh, so what 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 made this the right time? Um. I guess because they asked. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice um, we wanted. Yeah, I mean, we we really weren't searching for a record deal. We weren't, you know, shopping anything. Uh, we just didn't have that kind of expectation. We were just having fun, you know, playing a few times a year, and and uh, you know, and that was fine. And then you know, when Frontiers reached out to us, you know, it's kind of like, well, can we actually do this? <laughs> you know, I mean, because. You know, I mean, back in when the album came out and back when we first got together back in the 80s, this is all we did. So we had more time and we were younger, more energy, all that kind of stuff. You know, now we've all got jobs and and responsibilities. And then to try and find the time to write the stuff and record it, and you know, the demo version and then get it all together with the band and do all that. You know, we don't have as much time in our lives right now, but... You know, we somehow, luckily with Reggie and I, the chemistry is still there that we had when we first started writing in 1987. We still have that chemistry, and which we found out with doing this record, because we had been writing all along, but just more like if an idea popped into our head, it wasn't for a purpose. Now we had a record to do, so we really, it was like, okay, we have these songs we've already written that we know we like, but we still need X number that, you know, we want to have to choose from to come up with the final 10 for the record. And when it really came down to it, we, you know, we buckled down, we had hooked up with uh, a guy by the name of Jacob Bunton, who's a uh, very incredibly talented songwriter and producer. And uh, he helped us. And I think really kind of helped kind of give us a little spark because we worked with him on four of the songs on the record and just working with him and, and listening to him, the way that he approaches it. Cause we had songs before that we worked on with him were songs that Reggie and I had written and we liked, but we knew they could be better, but we weren't coming up with the right thing. And with Jacob, you know, in some of the songs, it was a matter of just, you know, adding us a, a, you know, an extra part here or changing a, you know, a line in, in a verse or in a chorus that just made that difference. And then in just listening to him and working with him, we had that same chemistry with him and it kind of re-energized us as well, I think. So we were able to finish writing the rest of it. So then in your case, I mean, especially given the fact that so much of the band is the same as when you started, like how important is that chemistry? Uh, it's very important because when it comes time, because like I said, we're all busy. So when, when one of these shows does come up, we don't have as much time to rehearse as as some bands might, you know, and a lot of the bands that we're going to go and play on one of these festivals or on the cruise or something, 
these are all, you know, some of them are touring bands. So we're going up, up against some really stellar, not competition, but just other bands to be compared to, uh, you know? And so fortunately, because we have that chemistry, when the five of us originally had gotten back together again, and uh, that it made that easier because we got together and things clicked again like they did before. You know, it's just a matter of knocking a little bit of rust off and everything was good. And and it's continued that way. And then um, after, after George had passed away, uh, you know, we were trying to figure out what to do. And I had introduced Jared to the band. He was somebody that I had met about 10 years ago. And, you know, I just told the guys, I said, he's a lot younger than us. I said, but he just acts like a veteran player and he's a great player and he just, he's a great guy, hardworking. And, you know, he came and played with us and it just clicked, you know, with him as well. It's not the same as it was with George, but it's equally in its own way. It's got its, you know, its own chemistry. He's, he's been a great addition, which has also then in turn made things, you know, easier to, to keep things rolling or get things back rolling again when we need to for a show. And, um, you know, and then also getting together with, with the whole band with Jaron to record this record. Jaron was able to, you know, put a little bit of, you know, his own style to what he was playing. He wasn't, you know, we didn't want to be, you ought to play it just like George. We were like, no, you know, you're in the band now and play it like you. And he did a phenomenal job. So then, you know, back when, when Jaron joined the band, like, were you actively searching for somebody or was it kind of more like, you know, you, you just knew him, you found him. And so it was, it turned out to be right. Uh, no, I mean, we, after Georgia passed away and we had, uh, we had spoken with each other and because we had, uh, you know, some stuff coming up, we had, um, the following uh, winter, we were going to be playing on the Monsters of Rock cruise. So we kind of had to make a decision. Are we going to move forward or are we going to stop this now? And, you know, we decided that, you know, for the band's legacy and for George's legacy, we thought it was best to keep it going. But then it was, okay, now who are we going to get? You know, we know a ton of musicians. We know a ton of bass players. Um, but George was, you know, he was a especially on stage, a very larger than life kind of guy. He was, you know, he was just, you know, just had that rock star thing going. And we're like, okay, not many guys we know, especially guys our age can hit the stage with the kind of energy he does. And uh, so after, you know, knocking a few things back and forth, I, you know, or a few people back and forth, they're like, you know, I just suggested, I said, look, I know this is crazy. I said, this guy is you know, much younger. We could, every one of us could be the, his father, but I just think he would be right, even though he's going to make us all look older <laughs> and and short because he's very tall. <laughs> I, I'm normally not the short guy in the room, but which I'm like, but so uh, I had actually, what I had done is I had actually sent the guys about a 30 second clip of Jaron that I saw on Facebook of him on stage with Tantric. And they were all like, looks great. I was like, okay. So I, I contacted Jared. And I think he was definitely a little shocked. He's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, I'm on the road with Tantric, but, you know, uh, you know, what dates do you have? And I'll see if they can work. And 
he just found ways to make them work. And um, but when we got together the first time, I remember we, you know, we ran through a, you know, the first batch of songs. And I remember Dave just looking over at me and he went, home run, the guy. And he's just, you know, he's fit in great. How different was the songwriting process from this album versus the last one or the like versus the earlier ones? Um, it was it was a lot different because back when when Reggie and I first got together and then we first put the band together, we worked on a very strict schedule. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. We used to we would rehearse uh, Mondays and Wednesdays. Reggie and I would get together and write on Tuesday nights, and then uh, we would take Thursday nights on our own to finish whatever idea, you know, uh, that, you know, Reggie was trying to record musically, and then I was normally at home trying to record the vocals over, you know, in the little four-track cassette machines that we had back then, uh, because we'd, we'd sit down together and work on the music for a song. And then I would try and leave with a recording of what we had done, you know, just a rough demo of it, and then come up with the lyrics and melodies and record that. And then the following week, we'd get together and just go through the process. So we'd have, most times, a new song every week to present to the band. So it was just, it was a muscle. I mean, it was just, you know, we were just, do because we were doing it all the time. Now, you know, to come home from working all day, being older, you're a little tired, you know, a little more tired. You have other responsibilities and things that you've got to do. So you, you know, you you find those moments when you can, instead of it being a planned, okay, we're gonna, you know, you and I are gonna get together and we're gonna sit in a room for three hours and hash something out. You know, now it's you gotta motivate yourself because it's me by myself here. I mean, right, because now we don't have to get together. We can do it via email, you know, or a text or a chat or something. You know, I mean, some of the ideas would be like, I, you know, I'd come up with an idea and be like, Reg, tell me when you've got five minutes to FaceTime and I'll, you know, <laughs> play him a riff or an idea or something. He'd be like, oh, cool. Okay. I recorded that. And let me see what else I can come up with. So we go back and forth that way, but it's not as scheduled and structured as it was before. So it makes it a little hard, harder to get going. Mm -hmm. Well, and then, and then, so when you were talking about the songs, I mean, how, how old are they? Like, do they do they date back like twenty odd years, or are they mostly oh, no. newer ones? Now the um, the oldest song on the on the record is the song "What Could Have Been," which was the second single that came out, and that and that song I would say is probably maybe twelve or thirteen years old. Um, because like I said, Reggie and I, you know, we continued writing here and there over time, and. Uh, so that was a song that we had written quite a while ago. And uh, in fact, actually, and I have, I don't remember what the name of the CD was even going to be. I don't even know whether it ever even came out or if there's copies of it or anything. I don't know. But back probably 12, 13 years ago, I don't know, it was Reggie or I had gotten an email from somebody from over in Europe that wanted to put together a compilation CD of you know, singers that were in bands similar to Heaven's Edge that, you know, let our level of success wasn't as high as others. And uh, so, you know, he was like, I just, you know, if you could, you know, just write something and, you know, and I'll pay you this and it'll just be part of this compilation. 
So Reggie and I, you know, agreed to to do it. And we hadn't written too much in a little while. And Reggie came to me with the music or what could have been. And he had told me, he said, Mark, I just been thinking because Reggie's younger brother had passed away years ago, years and years ago. And he said, I was just thinking about him, you know, when I was writing this. And he said, I just the phrase what could have been came to mind. And so, you know, I kept that in mind in listening to the song and writing the lyrics, though it didn't end up being about his brother. I kept the what could have been part. And so we finished it all those years ago. And in fact, Reggie and I put together, uh, we were in a band together uh, for a little while called Ever After. We were going to try and start something different. And this is, like I said, probably 10 years ago or so. And what could have been, we used to actually play with Ever After, but it was the original version of it. And we knew that the song, we really, really, really liked the song, but we knew that it needed something to make it sound more like a Heaven's Edge song. And that was one of the songs that we sent to Jacob. And it was just, it was amazing, actually, because we sent him the demo that we had for the song. And like I said, this guy's very talented. Uh, I think, I don't know, it was like maybe a day or so later, he sent back the song. He had completely re-recorded all the instruments. So he <laughs> learned the song, recorded it all, and he added, um, he extended the bridge a little bit in it, and then he changed one line in the course, and that was it. But it was all that it needed. I remember listening back to it going, ah, oh. all these years we've been going... <laughs> It's missing something. That's what it was missing. So, but that song, like I said, that song's older. And I mean, some of the other songs, uh, the song I'm Not the One is maybe, I don't know, four or five years old, maybe. And yeah, I mean, there might be some that are a couple years, you know, three or four years old, maybe, but a lot of them were really, we kind of crunched a bunch of them in like the last few months of uh you know knowing that we have this much time to write so we can get the music you know the stuff to the band and they can learn it so we can you know get going with it so but it was it was a it was a fun process it was good to go oh crap we can still do this <laughs> you know because you start to worry you're like oh my god and I, you know it's been a long time since we've done any you know like i said when you're writing just for the fun of it like oh hey i've got an when you're writing because it's like no, we need this many songs, good songs, <laughs> so we can make a complete album. And, you know, you want 10 songs on the album. You're not just writing 10 songs and going, oh, nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you need stuff to choose from. You need, you know, the that type of stuff. And so that's, you know, we ended up writing a lot. And then, and actually the song uh, Nine Lives, My Immortal Life was the last song that we wrote. And we were going back and forth. There were a, a handful of songs that each one of us maybe liked at a different level. You know, some are like, I love this song. Like, it's it's good, but, you know, maybe there's something better. And then they'd be like, no, but I love this song. I'm like, ah, it's good. But but we just, we weren't deciding on that last one. And Steve, who we don't, uh, we've only written a few songs with, Steve was just like, well, I have this guitar riff. And he played the intro riff. And the first couple of chords that turned into nine lives. And we were just like, that's great. That's it. That's the one. And we just, Reggie and I took it and just, you know, went to town. And when we finished it, we were like, that's what we wanted. <laughs> you know, we just wanted a, a good, aggressive, 
fast rock and roll song. And it came, you know, we were happy with, with the way it came out. Well, I mean, I would think that you should be happy how the whole album came out because wow. it's a it's a really good album. Like you, I will you got it right in that in that case. But I mean, oh, thank you. We are we're we're thrilled, and um, and to say that we expected it to sound like this and work out like this, I'd be lying if, if I said that. We're just going, what, what the hell are we doing here? <laughs> like, you know, um, and uh, but. Once once we got together, the five of us got together in the studio and just started just learning the songs. Like, you know, we we send the, the demos out to the guys in the band, they learned them. And then to get together those those times to rehearse the songs so we could play them together and see what you know what you know what Dave wants to maybe do with the drum parts and what Jaron or Steve want to do with their stuff. And and I, I actually think that because of that, this became even more of a um, more of a guitar record than the first record, because Reggie and Steve spent a lot of time once, you know, before pre-production and in pre-production, making sure that they just the two of them just weren't playing the same exact thing, like during the verses and stuff. So that they were kind of playing off of each other instead of just giving it that wall of guitar sound. And um you know, and I think they, you know, Steve and, and Reggie both really shined on it. Not only the the great solos that, you know, that Reggie gives you, but, you know, Steve did some great solo work on this record. But the two of them rhythmically, I think, were were phenomenal. And I think that Dave and Jaron had a little bit more freedom because we didn't have a producer over the whole record. You know, we were uh, more in control of the, you know, on how we were going to do this stuff. And... You know, so I think Dave and Jaron had a little bit more room to breathe as well and be a little bit more creative. Well, I think it's the beautiful thing about the album, though, is that it it sounds like you guys haven't left. Like it's it sounds like you guys have truly been continuously doing this for the last 40 years, right? <laughs> yeah, we it's um like I said, if I said what I expected this, I mean I I was pleasantly surprised the whole way. I mean. I'm I'm the singer. I've got to sing this stuff, which is physical, it, you know. And I, and it's a muscle that you have to use. I don't sing all the time. I mean, I sing in the, you know, I sing while I'm driving. I, you know, I I'll sing here in the house at times, but I don't want to annoy the neighbors or my family. <laughs> and uh, so it's not something that like back in the day I was singing all the time. I was just used to it. And then it was like, okay, now it's time. You know, it's time for Mark to do his thing, and we we flew in uh, that Jacob Bunton to produce the vocals with me because I like having somebody else's ear along, you know, along with mine. Just because we didn't want to be, I don't want, you know, we'll fix it in the mix, or we'll just pitch correct it, or we'll do that. We want to make sure it was right and real, and um, so I needed that other ear. But the problem was, you know, small budget and stuff. We're flying Jacob in on Sunday and we have from Monday to Saturday to sing, well, actually we recorded 11 songs, um, to sing these 11 songs and do the harmonies and do all that stuff in that short amount of time. But at the same time, it was summertime and I was working all day. So, and I have a physical job. I'm a, a union uh, painter's foreman in Philadelphia. So I'm doing a physical work, summertime is hot out. And then I'm picking up in this nasty white uh, company work van that I have driving to a hotel to pick up the producer. Sorry I got the ride. 
thinking about and driving to the studio and going in and singing for five or six hours. And then I'd leave and go home to go to bed and do it all over again the next day. And Reggie would go in and do some guitar stuff with him. But, you know, even that was nerve wracking. Like, am I going to be able to sing 11 songs this week? And what if I don't? Now, all of a sudden, we're going to have to do some kind of video conferencing production thing or, you know. So being able to get it all done in that week, um, you know, and being happy with the way that it came out and, and happy with the way that I was able to sing this stuff. Because, you know, as as a performer, you know, people might think, oh, it's, you know, their egos must be out the, you know, the, you know, through the roof. They must just think they're, you know, just mo the most wonderful thing in the world. Well, anybody that's a musician or has ever spent time talking to a musician knows that most of us are the most insecure people <laughs> and will doubt everything that we do. You know, like my wife will be like, every time you finish a show, the first thing you do is run down everything you fucked up. <laughs> like, musician thing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I get it. And now when you're, when you are like singing like that, what are your kind of viewpoints on, on the number of takes you'll do? Do you, do you kind of go through it until you, until it's right? Or do you kind of try to get it within the first couple? Um, the way that it, I was doing it with, with Jacob is I'd normally, you know, sing the song through a couple of times and then we would go back and, and listen. And because, you know, recording studio is what it is. You can go, you know, the first line from the first take was great, but the second line in the second take was better. And, you know, so you can kind of, you know, move some stuff around or even that, you know, just go, you know, I, the third take was great, but there were a couple lines that I didn't like. Let's go back and re-record those lines or, you know, that, that type of thing. But to try and, you know, get it as much of a performance as possible. But then at the same time, you've got to be, um, you know, if I tried to sit there and sing it over and over and over again to get that complete, you know, performance all the way front to back, one take kind of thing, we just, we didn't have the time for, you know, for that. And, um, you know, so you do have to do what most people do. You go in and kind of, you know, you piece some things together or you do a few takes and, and you know, comp them together and then fix the other stuff like that. But like I said, we wanted to make sure that it wasn't something that we were fixing with the computer, you know, instead of listening to it and going, no, that was a little flat. Let me sing that again. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Cause I mean, your voice is, has held up really, really well, given, uh, given the fact that you don't sing all the time. Yeah. Well, thank you. Maybe, maybe it was the rest that it needed. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do anything special to kind of uh, maintain your voice? Um, I just, I, there are a lot of exercises that I, that I do and different stuff that I'll do before we're going to perform or before I'm going into to record. Because for me, when, when we started playing or when I started playing again, which was a few years before Heaven's Edge got back together again, I hadn't played or sung in years. And like I said, it's a muscle. It's like working out. It's like going to the gym. If you don't go to the gym for 15 years and then you go again, you're not going to start off where you started off before. You got to build yourself back up. So I almost had to like almost teach myself how to sing again. I was buying, you know, singing program, you know, things online and this book and that book and, and stuff and just reading through and just trying to absorb anything that worked for me out of any of those programs and the stuff that didn't work for me, I would just kind of toss aside and then put together my own regimen built off of a bunch of different programs because I just, you know, it was almost, I needed like a crash course to get back into it. Um, 
and you know and it it, it took a while but it it kind of taught me how to sing in a different way which is a little bit more economical i'm not pushing things as hard um and i was able to get most of my voice back. the only thing i can't do is all the crazy 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 high screaming stuff that i used to do back in the day but i'm 61 i don't have to do that anymore <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like and, and like i say i mean honestly uh, the album sounds wonderful no matter what so wh whatever you've done it's it's working so keep it up but now now do you guys do you prefer the studio or the or like the stage so to speak um they're both very different and both can be very satisfying um I mean, if I had my choice, if somebody said you can only do one thing, it would probably be stage just because of the adrenaline rush of, you know, playing in front of people and the that kind of interaction. It's a little bit more personal than, you know, being in a studio and behind glass. Um, but I mean, they're they're both awesome experiences. Like I said, I, you know, I, we got to do it again unexpectedly, you know, this past year. And it was it was phenomenal. It was a great experience. Uh, you know, one of the things that's interesting about Heaven's Edge for me is the fact that you're from Philadelphia, which turned out to be quite the hotbed of, um, you know, for some really great bands to come out of. So what was that scene like back then? It was pretty amazing. I, the, um, you know, I mean, most people, they talk about the Sunset Strip and, you know, being out in Hollywood. Um, but we had our own version of it here. It wasn't a strip where it was club after club after club. but there were a, a bunch of original clubs that bands could play at um, in South Jersey and Philadelphia. And it just, it worked out that there was a lot of talent in there. I mean, um, and it was comical too, because I mean, there was a, a club called the Galaxy in South Jersey, which was where Cinderella got their start, Britney Fox got their start, we got our start. Tangier got their start. Bon Jovi even played there back in the day. And I mean, this place was a like an epic dive. I mean, <laughs> like the way that they talk about like CBGB in New York, that it was just like if you walked in, you were like such a great rock and roll club, but disgusting. And the galaxy was kind of like that, but it was our place, you know, same as it was with Cinderella. Same, you know, the people that went there, you know, that was that was our place. We were happy with that. And, you know, it just, it did breed a lot of, of talent. And that, and the thing that's crazy is actually Cinderella, Britney Fox, and us all rehearsed in the same room upstairs at the Galaxy. Like when Cinderella moved out, Britney Fox moved in. <laughs> Britney Fox moved out, we moved in. I guess it was a good luck room. <laughs> yeah, obviously. But yeah, because that's the thing, right? Like, I remember every one of those bands. I mean, even down to Tangier. I mean, like, all of, like, every one of you has this great sound and, and you know, obviously left a lasting impression in that way. Oh, thank you. And, and the thing that's crazy, too, is there are so many other great bands that played at those clubs back then that never got that opportunity that definitely deserved it. I mean, it was just... There's a lot of undiscovered music that people, you know, the people from around here back then got to hear, but that nobody else got to hear past that because they didn't get, you know, past this area. But definitely, I mean, there was just so many great bands. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What do you think of the fact that, that, you know, here we are, I mean, it's 2023 and people do still want to hear Heaven's Edge music? <laughs> um, uh, 
we couldn't have been back, well, back 10 years ago, we got back to get together again. We couldn't have been more surprised. I mean, we, we went over to England to do the first show we had done first full show in 20 some years. And, you know, it was, it was, it was an, un, it was great, great event uh, and festival. But for us, it was nerve-wracking. We've never been to, we had never, never got the chance to play in Europe. So now here we are in Nottingham, England, and um, there's no sound check. This is literally band after band after band. Everybody uses the same gear. You know, they have another stage set up downstairs so guys can get their tones, and then the guitar techs can just, you know, exchange those tones to the heads up there. But you just, you know, it's like, okay, you guys ready? All right. You walk out on the stage, they plug their stuff in, and then a curtain drops. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. <laughs> you know, we didn't know we didn't know what to expect, and the fans were unbelievable. We had no, we didn't. We're like, man, I hope people know us, and they were singing everything at the top of their lungs. It was, you know, and that just, you know, that kind of, you know, propelled us into going, wow, we can actually still do this, and people know who we are and then we started playing shows you know back here you know back in the states and all and we were surprised at the amount of people that that remembered us and that knew who we were but then playing these big uh festivals and on the cruise there's a you know probably more people than that don't know us or didn't know us than knew us before we started playing these things so you know we ended up having to go at, at a lot of these places and almost you know we're trying to win over fans again like it was like it was 1987 again because there were people that you know we weren't you know we weren't night ranger we weren't queens right you know we weren't at that level we weren't that kind of household name or at least for people that like this kind of music but the fact that we get to go and play at, at um a festival or on the cruise and then have somebody if we go back and play it again just go you know they'll come up and apologize i'm really sorry but I, I have to tell you the truth. I never heard of you guys until I saw you on the last one. And then I'm like, no, the fact that you you actually saw us and then liked us after the fact is I'm thrilled, you know, that we can still do that. I, I'm not, I'm very well aware of what our level of success. So I'm not expecting, I'd never be offended. I've never heard of you. <laughs> People have. <laughs> well i had heard of you that's for sure but uh, you know it's funny because i'll never forget like like because because especially back then i used to buy all the magazines and i used to see the mm -hmm. used to see the heaven's edge like because that first the first from the first album that cover it's it's ingrained in my head just just from the moments when i would see it in the magazines and it's just like oh i know that i know that <laughs> so. So it's funny how those things, right? And the and the band name Heaven's Edge. I mean, like, it's a really good band name. I, I and I wish we could take credit for it. I, <laughs> the story of that, I, I was in it when uh, Reggie and I started writing together. I was working full time in a, a, a club band around here called Network. The band also did originals, but it was also a cover band. They had, you know, they were hoping to get signed as well at some point or we were and but there was another network out there somewhere and they were like oh, you're gonna have to change your name so they ran a contest with literally just put like a suggestion box at every club that we played at just asking people for a new name if they had any ideas because we couldn't come up with any and nobody in the band liked any of the suggestions but one of the suggestions to me that i liked was heaven's edge i was like and i to this day i have no idea who suggested it it was a random thing, you know, I'm, and I was just like, yeah, the name just kind of, 
and I've said that to many people before. I'm, I have no idea who came up with it. I'd love to know, but <laughs> nobody's ever come forward and say, hey, that was my idea. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> So yeah, there's there's somebody out there who just who just thinks like, damn, I named a band. Right. <laughs> so what are your plans then going forward as far as like do you do you think you'll actually get a chance to go on a real tour? Mm, realistically, no. I mean, we've the opportunities might be there, but you know, we all have jobs and lives here at home we're, we're much better off as one of those like one you know one off like weekend kind of things or you know if we are going to do anything with any length you know going on the cruise for five or six days we can manage um but to actually put something together where all of us would have to leave home <laughs> for a while i mean the guys that are out there that are our age and still doing it god bless them but <laughs> that'd be a lot yeah so so is there anything that could ever like like if the money was there kind of thing is that something I, that could I, I draw think, you back well the fact that we're playing again after all these years and the fact that we have an album coming out in a few weeks after all these years and i would have if you had asked me 15 years ago if any of that would ever happen i would have told you you were out of your mind so i i never i can never say never <laughs> but yeah i mean so that's the thing at least the shows that you you do must be uh you know you must be able to put all everything into them because oh, yeah. because when you don't have that many shows then it's probably you probably look forward to it oh yeah oh absolutely it's, it's you know the adrenaline that you get to feel when you're out there um just the energy from the crowd it's like a drug you know i mean it just it's, it doesn't suck <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so then you know, do you like the cruise better than than a lot of other things? Like, I mean, one of the things that we've talked to a lot of people who've been on the cruise, and mm -hmm. and so what's it like from your perspective? Then is it kind of like you get up and like all music all the time? Um. Well, if if that's what you're there for, you can definitely experience that because it is. I mean, minus maybe at breakfast time. From probably about lunchtime, you know, eleven o'clock in the morning until you know midnight or after, there's live music playing everywhere. Um, so for that, it's an amazing experience. For us as a band to play it, it's an amazing experience. To you know, um, because we're you know you're because not not you're there for the five or six days and you're hanging out with all these people too, and you know they're. Everybody that's going on the cruise or going to M3 or going where they're doing it for the same reason. They just want to go and have fun and enjoy some good music. So nobody's obnoxious, you know, and and it's an interesting thing because they, you know, people, you know, there is like private areas on the on the ship that, you know, the bands can go if they want to stay private that way. But to be honest, very few do, you know, like. You know, you could be at the, uh, you know, grabbing something to eat or sitting at the pool or doing whatever. And, you know, who knows who from any band could be sitting there with you just hanging out. And, um, you know, and it's for the whole week. And then just and getting to talk to, you know, the fans, whether they're they're old fans or new fans or whatever, you know, all week is great. Do you find then that? Oh, do you do you find then that like people will come up and talk to you and 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 like or is it a is it kind of like do people stay away a little bit 
No, the, the only thing that we were told um, when we first went on was that, you know, if we choose to go out and, you know, be eating out with everybody else, that most people, they understand the, um, you know, there's like a code. If anybody with one of the bands is sitting down and eating with their friends or their family, whatever it is, don't bother them while they're eating. But as soon as you're done eating, you go, all right, I'll take care. Then everybody can, <laughs> and, you know, can sign this and you take a picture. And it's funny because they will, I'm really sorry to bother you. And I'm like, Look, after this is over, I'm going back to work just like you. <laughs> Please don't apologize for asking me to take a picture with you or sign something right now because I go back to reality in a few days. So I'm, I'm loving all this. I'm enjoying it and appreciating all of it. So, you know. Please don't apologize. Anybody that wants to come up and say hi, please come up and say hi. <laughs> well, that is awesome. Well, just before I let you go, um, I just wanted to ask, like, what are some of your like favorite memories of the early days with Heaven's Edge? Mm. Um, there are a lot of good ones. I mean, I have to say, if I had to, to pick one, just growing up, as a kid in Philadelphia, and it was the same with you know the other guys in the band. Well, not Dave; he didn't grow up in Philadelphia, but he would have the same experience up in New York. We had uh, the Philadelphia Spectrum. That was the arena that all the bands played at, and you know, so growing up and you know going to see Van Halen and Kiss and Aerosmith and Sticks and everybody else under the sun at the Spectrum, as a young musician, that's the dream. Someday, someday. I'm going to be able to walk out onto that stage. And back in 1990, uh, we played the Spectrum with Ronnie James Dio. And we got to walk those tunnels and walk out the back of the stage and stand there while the lights went down in the place and the music stopped and everybody knew the bands were coming on and hear that crowd roar and go, holy shit, that's us. <laughs> Guys, like that was, you know, that would definitely be a highlight. Oh, that is awesome. And then what's it what was Dio like? Uh Dio was amazing. He was um incredibly nice. And strangely enough, not that it's any shock to anybody that you know Ingve has a reputation of not being the most generous spirit. We're playing in our hometown, and we found that we went out on stage to start our set and everything sounded funny and goofy and stuff. What the hell is going on? And then, you know, after a you know a few minutes, things started straightening out and then straightened out. And so, you know, we finished the show. We're backstage, and our sound guy comes back. And we're like, "What is going on?" He's like, "You're not going to believe it." He said, "Ingve's people came out and you know turned a whole lot of stuff off." And uh, Dio's sound man found out about it and said something to Ronnie James Dio, and he told his sound man to go out and turn everything on. Wow. So we went from having a partial PA to less than that <laughs> and to having the whole PA. Holy crap. That is that is something, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean the adventures you guys must have been on is is wonderful. But uh yes. I, I do hope that you get a chance to go on a few more adventures uh with especially with the new album. So please tell everybody where they can uh find you and where they can get the album when it comes out. Well, the album will be available uh, anywhere that you stream music. And the first three songs are available on any of them on you know, Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, anywhere else that you happen to get music. 
Um, and on May 12th, the full album will be available for streaming. And uh, also on May 12th, the CD will be made available. That will be anywhere, pretty much anywhere where you purchase music online. I don't even know if there's even those kind of record stores or CD stores, whatever you call them anymore. Um, but anywhere you buy your music, if it's on Amazon or whatever, if you're buying the physical CD, uh, you can also buy it at Frontiers, uh, um, Frontiers Records website as well. And in fact, on there, they, is it, they have a limited edition uh, vinyl of the new record that is going to be coming out sometime after May 12th. I think I don't think it's going to be available as early. Uh, if, but we, there is um, Heaven's Edge. We are on Facebook and then on Instagram and Twitter at Heaven's Edge Band. But you can look any of us up on Facebook. We're all out there and we post and respond and do all that. So feel free to say hi. Awesome. Well, I mean, I urge everybody to go out and listen to the album because I love it. Uh, you know, raise them up or or uh or the um you know i'm not the one i think probably those are my two favorites on the album but uh oh, wow. Thank you. but yes i urge everybody to listen to it because it's a great rock album and uh i appreciate you being on the show and uh i know we wish you nothing but the best in the future oh that's great thank you so much Fred. it was my pleasure well thank you so and uh we'll talk to you again all right take care all right you too bye now Bye-bye. 